If you like what you hear, come and visit me at youtube.com slash tiptoe the tank and see this content in all its glory. The gods of Olympus believed their rule to be infallible. They were born of chaos and power, and long so did they fight for their divinity and dominion, striking down even the titans to cement their reign. Neither side could ever claim to hold the moral ground, but it's not about good or evil. It's about who will hold sovereignty in the end. And the Titans have come to another time and another place to see the Olympian gods thrown down from their great mountain. Poseidon, Hermes, Hades, Helios, and Hercules stand at the ready to immediately defend Mount Olympus. It is Poseidon that proves a terror to deal with. With great visceral strikes, he brings down Titans all on his own. Though he's king of the seas, he need not be within water to be powerful. But when he can draw upon it, it adds depth to his mayhem. As the Titans ascend the mountainside, Kratos fights to keep Gaia mobile as minions of the gods and the gods themselves fall upon them. But eventually he's thrown from the Titan and Poseidon brings the grandmother of Zeus to a halt on the mountain. Gaia calls for aid, but rather than wait for Kratos to reach her, she pulls this servant of Poseidon out of her own chest and resumes her climb. When Kratos finally reaches her again a short distance up, Poseidon's creature resumes its punishment against her, cutting through her body and forcing Kratos to intervene against it. By the time he's dislodged it, Gaia can barely keep her grip on the mountain. The massive open wound on her chest leads directly to her heart, so large an injury that Kratos can literally walk freely through it. Once at the head of Gaia, Poseidon himself attacks Kratos and the Titan. He calls upon the oceans in all its power to protect and empower himself. Poseidon is second in power only to Zeus. He's obscenely strong and a true test of Kratos' own strength. But despite this, Poseidon will be the first of the Olympians to die in this war. With Gaia to aid him, Kratos is able to best the king of the seas, and he delivers a slow and agonizing death to his uncle. Poseidon's death means the waters of Greece are no longer contained or controllable. When his body falls to the earth, the waters begin to rise, flooding the lands. Countless will die because of this. Entire cities wiped out in an instant, the landscape completely reshaped. But what does this matter to Kratos or the Titans? What do the troubles of mortals matter to them, after all? Together, Gaia and Kratos complete their ascent to meet Zeus atop the mountain. It's no surprise that the father-son duo can't keep themselves from screaming at one another, but Zeus is on home turf and he's had time to recover since he and Kratos fought at the Summit of Sacrifice. He hits Gaia with one hell of a lightning strike, sending Kratos and his grandmother flying off the mountainside with broken limbs. Gaia is able to catch a ledge just barely, but with her injuries, she cannot hold on for long. Kratos is able to gain a hold on Gaia, but is unable himself to hold on as she thrashes around and rumbles to move back up the mountain. He demands that Gaia assist him. She saved him from death to kill Zeus. He is the most important factor at play, but Gaia admits she only saved him so that he could serve the Titans. She will not sacrifice her own safety in order to aid him. She willingly casts him aside as a simple pawn in the grander scheme. She latches onto the mountain and throws Kratos from her back with the force of her own motion. And he plummets far, far below, down into the river Styx, into the underworld. As he swims its waters, the hateful dead latch onto him and drain him of his godly powers. When he draws himself out of the river, Kratos is severely weakened and barely able to walk. But Kratos has escaped the realm of Hades before. Time and time again, it's proven unable to contain him, and he resolves that this time will be no different. The underworld cannot keep him from reaching Zeus. 
His departed sister Athena sees this as a moment to reconnect with Kratos. Her sacrifice in saving Zeus allowed her to ascend to a higher state of being, though what that means is pretty vague. Kratos isn't really one to think these sorts of things through, though. What matters to him is Zeus's death. He doesn't even take a moment to consider what he's doing to mankind. He actually says that they can suffer. His vendetta is all that matters. Athena directs him towards the flames of Olympus as the means to kill Zeus, claiming that it is the source of his power, and to help him, she grants him the Blades of Exile, a very sudden shift in her attitude towards Zeus, but her motives are unclear as of yet. Kratos accepts the Blades and her guidance to seek out the flame. As he pushes through Hades, Kratos gains some form of power and strength back, abilities that will help him in escaping the underworld. There are countless foes that will engage him on his path and try to stop him. This is a cruel and ugly place, and the forces of Olympus still yet haunt Kratos. Because he is so deep within the underworld, he encounters the Judges. They determine where a spirit will go for eternity, be it paradise or torment. It is determined that Kratos' fate is cloaked in shadow, and what is certain is that he does not belong in the afterlife. So instead, the Judges usher him to a nearby door that will carry him on to his proper path. Following their direction takes him to something odd, the statue of a girl that confuses him for her father, and he, in turn, mistakes her for his own daughter, Calliope. But when they realize their mistakes, the girl says that she knows who he is. She was told that he would be arriving, but Hades interrupts their meeting, though he doesn't attack Kratos here. He promises instead that soon, they will have their time together before leaving him to the gloom of his solitary path. As Kratos proceeds, his journey takes him deeper into the underworld, not out of it. He finds notes written by people from his own past, his mother laments her son's rage and his many sins. She wished to carry the punishments for his deeds because she blamed herself for his cruelty. He finds a message from a boat captain that carried him as a passenger long ago, a trip that resulted in the captain's death. He hated that Kratos used him, abandoned him, treated him like he was nothing. He was a human being, he was alive, and Kratos spat on that sanctity of life. Eventually, he finds himself within the pit of Tartarus, a terrible level of the underworld that once held captive the Titans after they lost their war against the Olympians. Within these depths, Kratos finds one of them, the one called Hephaestus. He's the very being that crafted Pandora's box using the flame of Olympus. When Zeus discovered that there was a key to the box in the shape of a young girl that Hephaestus tried to keep a secret, he was beaten and imprisoned here. Hephaestus is relaxed with Kratos, they sort of jab at one another with words, and it's very apparent that Hephaestus blames Kratos for his imprisonment, though truly it was Zeus and his own inability to maintain a secret that landed him here. Kratos asks him about the flame of Olympus, kind of a surprise to the Titan, and he tells the Spartan a little bit about it, all the Olympians know of the flame, but it's lethal to the touch for both God and man. He withholds that it has a key. He'll help Kratos, but not that much. If Kratos can find his way out of the underworld, then he can handle finding the flame. So helpful, Hephaestus, thank you. Going deeper into the realm of Hades, Kratos comes across another statue of that girl, this time impaled by the Blade of Olympus. They have their back and forth, he takes the blade from the statue, and even with children, Kratos can't help but be angry and brooding. But the girl asks Kratos to free her, something he says that he can't help her with, before enemies descend upon their location and the two cease in conversation. The Palace of Hades is not far away. When he enters, Hades himself welcomes Kratos and promises that this time he won't be leaving. 
as with seemingly everything related to the Olympians, the palace is a maze of puzzles that Kratos has to solve. It leads him to a very dark place once all is said and done, where Hades greets his nephew once again. Kratos has killed his brother Poseidon, attacked his home, killed his queen Persephone long ago, and now it's finally time to take revenge against Kratos to make him suffer as he has suffered. Zeus once took solace in assuring Kratos that once he was dead, Hades would personally see him tormented for all eternity. The god of the underworld could rival Poseidon in strength, but his hatred and violence is of a completely different sort. To have Kratos in his custody as a prisoner of his realm would be a sweet victory for the god of the underworld. The two tear and attack at one another in an arena surrounded by hellfire. The ground beneath them is even torn out during their fray. For Kratos to succeed, all the gods of Olympus must die. Hades is the next of them to fall. The monstrosity wasn't enough to stop him, he's killed in his own realm. Because of this, there's no one to govern or control the spirits of the underworld. The dead begin to rise back to the mortal plane, and the realm of Hades truly falls into chaos. Kratos returns to Hephaestus with the news that the god of the underworld is dead. And this is pretty awesome news to him, though he would rather that he had suffered a bit more. Curious that Kratos is so capable of killing the immortal gods of Olympus, how many gods has he killed now? Within the prison of Hephaestus are Hyperion gates that require the soul of a god to use. But Hephaestus is sure that it's broken, because his beloved wife Aphrodite never came to visit him here, though the Titan can't really speak those words. It still hurts him deeply that maybe his wife doesn't want to see him. He tells Kratos a bit about how he came to be here. Once, he was praised and beloved. His kin were proud of his skills as a godsmith. But when Kratos opened Pandora's box to kill Ares, the paranoia and fear that seeped into Zeus was turned against Hephaestus. Zeus took Pandora away and cast Hephaestus into the pit of Tartarus, where he slaves away trying to recreate his daughter. But he's failed time and time again. And Kratos recognizes those failed attempts. He's seen them throughout the underworld. A girl spoke to him through them, which must be Pandora, the constructed daughter of this titan. Hephaestus asks Kratos to bring her back to him, and speaks to their mutual understandings of what a father would do for his daughter. While he doesn't acknowledge it aloud, Kratos does know what he's talking about. Because he's killed Hades, Kratos is free to use the Hyperion Gate nearby, and it actually does still work. It takes him to the city of Olympia, where the chariot rider Helios wildly flies about. Here too is Gaia, fallen far from Mount Olympus. She hearkens at him to help her. She suffers greatly, so he must aid her. But instead of aiding his great-grandmother, he cuts the parts of her body that are still holding on. After all, he needs to make his way through, and she is in the way. They both want to take victory over Zeus, but Kratos now holds the advantage. He pushes her body aside off the path, and he proceeds on alone. There are still yet titans that fight. The one called Persis fights with the chariot-driving Helios over the city. While Kratos fights on the ground through the armies of the god, Persis and Helios fight one another. The Spartan is able to make ground and offer assistance to the Titan. He beams Helios with a bolt from a ballista, sending him straight into the hands of the Titan, who promptly crushes the chariot. Persis takes off, leaving Helios to his Spartan assistant. When Kratos finally finds the fallen god, he is well protected but unable to defend himself. He is really jacked up. Helios was once saved from the underworld by Kratos, when Hades' wife Persephone ordered him to be stolen away. He tries to play on that familiarity by promising that if Kratos spares his life, he will repay him in full. But all Kratos really wants from him now is to know where the flame of Olympus is, 
and Helios understands what Kratos is trying to do, perhaps better than even Kratos does. He retaliates and tries to blind Kratos instead, but that only keeps him away for a few moments. And then, the beating begins. Helios tries to tell him that Kratos has to touch the flame to receive its power, enraging Kratos that he would tell him to do something so lethal. But Helios insists that Hephaestus is wrong, Kratos must touch the flame. But Kratos is more inclined to believe the godsmith than the coward before him. He slowly tears off the head of Helios. He will carry it with him and use the light it emits as a weapon in the journey ahead. With the death of Helios, the sun vanishes. A great storm covers all of Greece. The skies will evermore be darkened by this, but it matters not to Kratos. The ascent of Mount Olympus must begin anew. With the head of Helios to light his way, Kratos begins on foot. A statue of that girl, Pandora, is on the path, and she calls to Kratos, telling him that something is getting close to her, and he's the only one that can help her, and that she trusts him, but Kratos very openly admits that she shouldn't. Kratos doesn't yet know what she really is. He thinks that she's just a girl, and he's hesitant to get involved in whatever she is caught up in. Using the wings of Icarus, Kratos flies up the chains of balance within the mountain, passing Persis along the way, who throws a punch at him. So Kratos kills the lone titan in retaliation. Seems the whole Helios situation didn't really mend allegiances between them. It's all just sort of a free-for-all now. The flight up the chain is a long one, fraught with hazards. But in an open part of the mountain, Kratos enters a strange cavern full of pathways and boxes hanging from chains, with a bright glowing light at the center within a cage. It's a long sequence to complete, but Kratos stacks up and lines up boxes and platforms to ascend through the huge cavern. At the top of his box collection, the god Hermes is waiting, and he's perhaps the most insufferable of all the gods. His jokes are only funny to him, he's snide and conceited, and carries on conversation as if he were a spoiled toddler. It's either strange bravery or stupidity that drives him to mock and sneer at Kratos. He goes on and on about it, and then he runs away giggling. Well, Kratos isn't fast like Hermes, but he can still climb, so he starts clawing his way up the chain of balance. It takes what feels like an eternity, but when he reaches the top, he finds himself within a structure holding the flame of Olympus itself, and within it, Pandora's box, the same box from years ago that he used to kill Ares. Athena again appears to Kratos, telling him that the power to kill a god is still within it. It still holds a power stronger than what he used so long ago, something that she says has been missing from the world. She tells him at last the history of the box, how it was crafted by Hephaestus to lock away the evils that roamed the world at the end of the war with the Titans so long ago. When Kratos opened the box, those evils returned and began to corrupt the gods of Olympus. When Zeus witnessed what Kratos did to Ares, he was gripped with fear. Athena goes on to say that to open the box once again, Kratos must have its namesake, Pandora, the girl. She is the key to destroying the flame, the same girl that Kratos has been ignoring since the underworld, but he is sure that he can handle finding and managing the girl. Hermes awaits him outside on a terrace, ever eager to mock and goad him into chasing. When Kratos ventures a bit farther out to an overlook, he can look upon Greece and see the cataclysm that he has caused in killing Poseidon, Hades, and Helios. The lands and its people have been wiped away, countless murdered, because of the cruel games that the gods play. But why focus on that when there is another god to be chased down? Kratos follows Hermes about the mountain, terrorizing human survivors and servants of Olympus as he goes, always one step behind the speedy god. And Hermes is just so insufferable, 
It sure would be a shame if his head got popped like a cherry. Hermes finally stops atop the statue of Athena, assumedly not really paying attention because Kratos hits it with a conveniently placed boulder and Hermes doesn't really bolt when Kratos starts climbing up after him. Maybe he, he needs to recharge his speedy boots or maybe he's just a massive idiot. Hermes is very injured after the collapse of the statue, leaving a blood trail that's easy for Kratos to follow. This time, Hermes can't bolt away and stay one step ahead. He's far too injured for that. And Hermes isn't the fighter that Kratos is. He mostly just tries to stay one step ahead of the Spartan, but in such an enclosed area, it's really not possible. Kratos beats Hermes down. It seems like maybe Hermes is willing to try to convince Kratos to not kill him, but oh gosh, Hermes really just missed diplomacy classes or something. He just becomes more irritating the more he speaks. And it looks like Kratos shares in that sentiment. He kills Hermes by cutting his legs off one at a time. Like he, like, he really wants to mess with Hermes' head before he dies. With his death, a plague is released upon Greece. Those few humans below that still yet survive will eventually be consumed by it. Kratos takes the boots of Hermes as his reward, which will give him extraordinary speed and the ability to run up vertical surfaces. But Hermes will not be the only god that Kratos comes across here. Some distance away is an open area being overseen by the drunken Hera, the sister wife of Zeus. When Kratos was a baby, Hera told Zeus to kill him, but he ignored her and let the child live. Her greeting towards Kratos reflects her disdain for his existence, as well as her disdain for her own husband. She has very little love in her heart, and none of it will be spared for either of them. Kratos does disclose that he is looking for Pandora, the child, and Hera knows what he's talking about. Hera was very proud of Hephaestus before Zeus locked him away, but she is not going to help Kratos. She orders someone else to take care of him, Hercules, one of Zeus's many bastard children born of a mortal mother. So, like Kratos once was, Hercules is a demigod, and his ass is a bit chapped that Kratos was supposedly chosen to kill Ares while he slaved away on his twelve labors, which he deemed to be menial tasks. Why was Kratos brought to godhood, but not he? Well, now he will destroy Kratos as his final labor, and then he will become the new god of war and claim a throne all his own. Hercules doesn't immediately enter the arena, though. He sends his soldiers to fight Kratos first. He's not really the honorable sort. When he does finally enter the fight, he brings with him backup to help keep Kratos at bay. A few pieces at a time, Kratos pins the demigod down and strips away pieces of his armor. Because while he's not fighting one-on-one, -on -one, that doesn't mean Hercules isn't a terror. The man is a bulldozer. Kratos manages to get his armor off and his weapons for his own personal use. Hercules literally upends the arena to stop Kratos, tearing the floor up with his bare hands. When Kratos gets back, he pins Hercules beneath the broken up stone and beats him to death, hitting him so hard that the floor beneath them breaks, sending them down into the waters below. Through and past the chambers of Poseidon, Kratos comes across another statue of that girl Pandora. She's terrified of something. He is close, she says. She tells Kratos that she is within a labyrinth before something takes her away. The he that Pandora was trying to flee from finally makes his presence known to Kratos. It's Zeus. He's on to their scheming and he will not allow it. He plans on taking custody of Pandora. At least Kratos now knows that he needs to find a labyrinth and he had best hurry up if he wants to find Pandora alive. Who knows how long it will take for Zeus to dispose of her. The bridge that will take him further into Olympus is broken, but a gate leading back to Hephaestus is close within the chambers of the gratuitously sexist depiction of his wife Aphrodite. But anyways, the last meeting between the two was a bit rough, but Kratos just cuts to the chase. He's looking for a labyrinth, 
and the Titan immediately understands why he's searching for that place. It's where his adopted daughter is. Hephaestus is not reserved about telling Kratos to stay the hell away from her. When he's calmed a bit, he reiterates why Pandora's box being opened was such a terrible thing, precisely what was done when Kratos opened it. And he finally admits that Pandora was the key created to complete the box. When Kratos opened the box to kill Ares, Hephaestus' secret was laid bare, and whoever has the girl can gain access to whatever is still inside the box. Athena had told Kratos in the underworld that an untapped great power was still within it, and that he needs it, therefore he needs the girl. But the Titan hints that taking the girl to the box, using her to quell the flame, could cause something to happen to her. Not that Kratos really cares, he doesn't care about anyone but himself and Zeus. Hephaestus knows that there's no reasoning with him, so he very suddenly shifts in his demeanor and tells Kratos that if he gets him the Omphalos Stone, then he will make him a special weapon, one that will surely give him the retribution that he so rightly deserves. It's in the pit of Tartarus, he just has to go get it. And Kratos, being the complete egomaniac that he is, doesn't question any of it. He trots off without a single thought in his head outside of Murder Zeus. This little check takes him to the gates of Tisiphone, remember one of the Furies, the one that could create wicked realistic illusions. Well, sadly she's not here right now to say hello, but her namesake gate is a hassle just like she was. And within the pit of Tartarus is an old friend, Kronos, and he knows that Kratos has betrayed the Titans, betrayed his mother Gaia. Kronos really didn't have the best of deals before, but now he's stuck in the pit and he's pissed so he's gonna crush Kratos. This little venture that Hephaestus sent him on wasn't really an errand, but now is not the time to dwell on that, because Kronos is highly motivated and he's massive. It takes a huge time investment just to make it up his body into his head, only to get swallowed whole by the Titan, but don't worry. Kratos exits through his abdomen, not his asshole. Can't be showing male butt parts, can we? Which is to say, show penis, you cowards. Kratos comes out with that stone alongside the intestines of Kronos, but he won't leave well enough alone. He maliciously ascends the body of Kronos again, ignoring the cries of the Titan, and he sinks the blade of Olympus into his skull. And it is not a quick death either, it slowly cooks his brain from the inside, as he stumbles around the pit, screaming in pain. Returning to Hephaestus with the stone, Kratos is fully aware that this was treachery. But Hephaestus wasn't really pulling his leg, he can make him a weapon with that stone. He quickly crafts for Kratos the Nemesis Whip, infused with lightning. And then, he attacks the Spartan. He is unwilling to sit by as Kratos acts as a threat against Pandora, and he'll never stop his search for her. Zeus tortured him and stole his girl away, and he has no doubt that Kratos will do the same. But the godsmith is not a fighter. Impaled and weeping, the Titan begs for mercy for Pandora. He asks Kratos to not hurt his beautiful daughter, and with a final heave, the heartbroken father passes away. With the Nemesis Whip, Kratos is able to move parts of that broken down bridge finally and proceed on to Olympus. He comes across a workshop belonging to a man called Daedalus, who was commissioned to build all of those boxes in the cavern in the mountain in exchange for the safe return of his son, Icarus. Oh, whoops. Icarus is super dead from that whole chasm incident a while back. But through notes, Kratos discovers that the labyrinth was back down in that cavern. The chain that he ascended is a part of the mechanisms of the area, and Pandora herself is someplace within it. In a courtyard beyond the workshop, the queen of the gods, Hera, is drunk and struggling. She's lost her family, her kingdom is falling apart, her world is soon to end. And it's because Zeus wouldn't listen to her when she told him to kill Kratos when he was a baby. 
Even the flowers of Olympus wilt with the destruction of Greece, and it's truly because of Kratos. Everything is dying because of him. She has faith that he will be unable to proceed through the gardens, that he will be lost there forever, and she'll get to watch him die as an old man here. But with some deduction and the use of abilities he's gained along the way, eventually Kratos does conquer parts of her garden. And she greets him on the other side, drunkenly telling him that they are not done here. Despite her anger and hateful words, Kratos leaves her be until she calls the girl Pandora a foul name. Fueled on by disregard and his own anger, he returns to Hera and breaks her neck, as simple as that. Another god dead, another life snuffed out. Finally making it through takes him back to that cavern, which he knows properly now as the Labyrinth. Shining brightly in the middle is his unmistakable goal. Entering from a new angle shows Kratos something that he missed. The architect of the Labyrinth himself, Daedalus. When he completed his grand labyrinth to hold Pandora, Zeus rewarded him by placing him in a trap and abandoning him. The half-crazed old man still cries for his lost son Icarus, hoping that he'll return to him still, completely unaware that his son is dead. The architect was trying to utilize the icy breath of the north wind, called the Boreas Ice Storm, as a key to unlock the secret of the labyrinth. It was taken by a massive scorpion creature that lurked about in the cavern. It has to be killed and the ice storm reclaimed in order to reach the center. With it, fan mechanisms around the boxes will spring to life and Kratos can use airflow to float to other boxes. When Kratos reaches where Daedalus is chained, the poor man confuses his silhouette with that of his son, and he explained to the Spartan how to use the Boreas Ice Storm to conquer the Labyrinth. Kratos listens long enough to understand before stepping out and revealing to the old man that he is not Icarus, and then tells him that his son is dead, though he excludes the fact that it was Kratos that killed him. He leaves the architect to hang and eventually die within the trap. While Daedalus cries for him to stop, Kratos solves the labyrinth, bringing it together into one full complex. She's not far now, the answer to the murder of the God King. No surprise, the interior of the labyrinth is a hellhole of traps and puzzles. But this was also the job of the architect. Make the cavern difficult to figure out and make the interior a massive cube impossible to traverse. Zeus's treatment of the man was truly a betrayal. He did amazing work. It takes Kratos a long while to fight and solve his way through it. But when he does reach the cage at the center, the body of a girl lays within. She had been called neither living nor dead, but she looks very much like a young woman. Not at all like a bronze cast statue or a key. Pandora immediately recognizes Kratos when she wakes up and blurts out that Zeus had told her that if she contacted him again, he'd do to the Spartan what he did to Hephaestus. Not many have shown such blatant disregard for Kratos' sour demeanor. The girl has no fear of him. He's probably not experienced something like this since he last saw his Calliope alive so long ago. The way out is just as dangerous as the way in, and the two have some missteps and mistakes as they go, a few of them almost lethal but together they manage to make it through the labyrinth. Pandora is well aware of what awaits her ahead. She has seen many terrible things in her short life, and she regrets what happened to her father. She assures Kratos that he doesn't need to coddle her. She is prepared for what she knows she has to do. The two are able to bond a bit over how poorly the gods spoke of them, that they're both outcasts that were feared and hated. Kratos a bit more justifiably so, but Pandora, she never stood a chance in Olympus. The fear that seeped into the gods was turned against her as well. But while Kratos is brooding and difficult, Pandora chastises his indifference and tells him that the hope she has for the future is worth fighting for. Hope is what drives them, whether he's willing to acknowledge that or not. But he shows her the hanging corpse of the architect, arguing that this is what hope causes. 
Their spat ends there, but the two seem to be a bit more receptive to the ideas of the other. Atop the labyrinth, Pandora tells Kratos that her father once told her that this massive chain balances the power of everything in Olympus, so he needs to break it. He needs to free the labyrinth. The bottom of it is held tight by the judges of the underworld, so Kratos plunges back down into the realm of Hades. To gain access to the vulnerable parts of the chain, the hands of the great judges have to be removed from them. When he breaks the base, the weight and force of it snaps, breaking all three of the judges. The entirety of Greece has already fallen apart, but now there will be no one to usher the dead onto the afterlife. After the chain is broken, Pandora calls to Kratos, telling him that Zeus has returned and is trying to find her. He knows that she's free and he's hunting her. When he flies back to help the girl, he instead finds Athena there, comforting Pandora. And it may have been Athena herself that so frightened Pandora, but regardless, she's safe for now. Athena reminds Kratos of what he is trying to accomplish and tells him to ready himself for what's to come before she departs. She herself is quite intent on seeing Zeus killed now. Pandora cannot make the climb up the mountain on her own, and Kratos needs all his strength to make it, so he leaves her atop the labyrinth and proceeds back up to Olympus to bring the chain up. With nothing tethering it down now, Kratos is able to turn the mechanisms bound to the chain which protect Pandora's box. Of course, the massive labyrinth being forced up through the ground breaks apart and thrashes the temple, but Pandora's box is exposed, and Pandora herself is lifted up to Olympus. And seeing the box, being in the presence of it, the girl only hesitates for a moment before beginning her approach. She so strongly believes in what is within that box that once her mind is calm, she starts to run for it. But Kratos is unwilling to let her go. It will mean that she ceases to exist, and the humanity of this girl that is neither alive nor dead has affected him. She must remind him of his own daughter, and he doesn't want to see another child die in front of him. But Pandora pulls and yells at him, eventually freeing herself, only to turn and run right into Zeus. He has plenty to say, to repeat, to regurgitate. Regrets for not killing him as a baby, blame for what's taking place on Olympus, mockery that Kratos would try to find redemption by saving Pandora. But this is a fight ultimately between the two of them. Zeus discards the girl carelessly and a brawl commences between the two gods once again. At first, the two beat each other senseless like they're in a street fight and abuse the walls of the temple until it starts to crumble and fall apart. With the two preoccupied with one another, Pandora bolts for the box as soon as the opportunity presents. Kratos tries to catch her to pull her back. Zeus joins in to feed on Kratos' fear of losing the girl. But she won't allow this. This is why she exists. She has to do this. And then Zeus plays his stupid card again. He demeans Kratos and he draws upon the death of his family to fuel his manipulations. But Kratos can see through it, and he knows that he has to let go of Pandora. So he focuses his hatred and his rage towards Zeus, and he lets the girl go. When he rises again, the room is settled, and Pandora's box is unlocked. Opening it up, it appears to be completely empty. No immense power pours forth to strengthen him like it did before. The whole affair is is actually quite funny to Zeus, which just makes Kratos more angry. What was that sacrifice for? It was for nothing. Was this whole damned adventure for nothing? Outside on the Overlook, Zeus stands peering out over the devastated Greece. He comments that he'll have much to do once Kratos is dead. He does intend to fix everything that's been done, but first he has to kill his son. The two resume their fighting, as they have seemingly so many times before, neither truly taking the upper hand. The entirety of Greece has suffered so tremendously for their selfishness and their fighting. 
Even with the apocalypse taking place in the background, all that matters to these two is killing one another. They really do deserve each other. Gaia reappears partway through, having finally made it back up to the mountaintop. And she is a hostile party to both. She wants them both dead at this point. The world that she knew has been destroyed because of them. She will gladly kill them together and be done with her disappointing spawn. The both of them escape her crushing grip by jumping into that old wound on her chest. It makes sense that they kill two birds with one stone by fighting in her heart chamber. Gaia made a grave mistake by engaging both of them with that open wound, and she has no way of getting them out without tearing open her own chest. So the father and son gods beat the hell out of each other within the body of their titan matriarch. They use everything at their disposal to gain the upper hand, even siphoning power from Gaia herself when time allows. It is the Blade of Olympus that proves Zeus's undoing. The blade that he himself crafted so long ago to defeat his own father will now be wielded by his son against him. It is the cycle repeated of sons killing fathers. Kratos plunges it into the king of the gods and into the heart of Gaia, bringing an apparent end to their fatal conflict. On the landing below, Kratos lands near the corpse of Zeus, still impaled by the Blade of Olympus. Finally, he has won, but at a most terrible cost to his home country. After retrieving it, Kratos begins to leave, but where he intends to go is entirely unclear. His life has been about nothing but violence and vengeance. What is someone like Kratos going to do with the rest of his life? Perhaps find a new people to victimize. But Zeus is not so easily taken down. Though his body is lifeless, his spirit still carries on. With one mighty hit, he takes and breaks all of the Spartans' fun tools and toys, leaving him nigh defenseless against him. And Zeus forces Kratos into the fear and darkness of his own mind, to face the things that torment him so. He sees with vivid clarity the last moments of his wife and daughter so long ago. He sees his daughter tremble watching her mother die in front of her, knowing that it was her own father that did it. He feels that confusion again, asking why they were there. They were supposed to be in Sparta, not this faraway place. He sees the girl Pandora, speaking to him of hope setting him free, then being cast into flame herself. Taking with him the light of Pandora's flame, he finds his wife and child again, but this time, his beloved wife tells him that it's time for him to lay his fears to rest. It's time to find forgiveness from within so that he can start to heal and it's time for him to truly say goodbye to his Lysandra and Calliope. He will not meet them in Elysium. It's time for him to accept that they will never be together again. The path that he's chosen will take him far from that possibility, but his wife and daughter will have one another in paradise. The voice and light of Pandora continues to lead Kratos on through the darkness. He sees once again the death of Athena. She asks him to face his fears, confront his demons, and lay it all to rest stop the cycle of fathers and sons killing one another. Throwing himself from a ledge, he lands in bloodied waters and hears the cries of so many that he's killed and victimized in his vendetta. Yet still, the voice and light of Pandora guides him on, promising to stay with him. As he remembers her words before her death and the taunting of Zeus, the girl's voice remains firm. It's all right. The light guides him towards Pandora's box and Kratos remembers that within is the power needed to kill a god. The flame of Pandora is within it now, and what she fought for. Hope. Even if this flame, this supposed power, is not something tangible, it brings strength with it through belief in overcoming the darkness. 
Kratos returns to his senses, emboldened by the hope of Pandora, and he lashes out against the spirit of Zeus. His attacks force it back into his body, weakened and vulnerable. The god of war discards his weapons and begins to beat the god king with his bare hands against stone. His hits are so violent that his own vision becomes clouded by blood and gore. When finally death comes to Zeus, the chains of servitude on Kratos' arms fall away, and lightning pulverizes Olympus. When Zeus's death is complete and his body taken, a great wave of light floods the land. Olympus has finally and truly fallen. Standing alone before the destroyed landscape, Kratos can now fully take in the suffering that he has brought. Athena returns to him, congratulating him for his victory, excited that now mankind is ready to hear her message. She demands from Kratos the power that he took from within the box, that she sees upon his body. But Kratos says the box was empty. Athena placed that power within it so long ago, and so she calls it her own. But then she pieces it together. When Kratos opened the box during his fight with Ares, the weapon called Hope was taken by him. Fear and evil went to the gods, but hope rested within Kratos. When Pandora aided him, guided him, lended him her light, it awakened that slumbering hope, and Kratos was finally able to kill Zeus. He doesn't speak of any of this with Athena, though, who so clearly hungers for that power. She would usurp Olympus herself, become the new god of this broken land. She tries to convince Kratos to hand it over to her. She knows how to use it better. It's the right thing to do, after all. And when he refuses again, she tries to argue her entitlement to it by listing every time that she has helped him in the past, but still, it doesn't work. Kratos decides that this power, this hope, it should not belong to any god. He is certainly undeserving of it, and Athena has not proven herself to be any better than those who once ruled from Olympus. Kratos drives the blade of Olympus through his body, freeing the hope stored within himself so that mankind might instead receive it. Athena pulls the blade from his gut and leaves him to bleed out alone upon the rocks of the mountain. But death will not come so easily to the god of war. He rises from that stone and he departs from Olympus forever. He leaves Greece behind to travel far and wide for many years to come. Eventually, his search for peace and freedom from his deeds will take him to a land far, far away. Kratos will travel to the frigid, wild north. <laughs>